Welcome to the Anxious Millennial Podcast. I am your one and only host, Alexandra. Henri Matisse said it best, creativity takes courage. Case in point, Leila Aziza, a professional dancer and my guest on today's show with well over a decade of experience in dance. Having performed in shows for Cirque Eloise, the Casino of Montreal and The Voice, Her education and career brought her to the impeccable likes of Paris, New York, and Montreal. Adding fuel to the ambition fire, she works as a freelance host and journalist. Her other ventures include Sexy Stagette, a central dance class service for bachelorette parties, being a dance and fitness instructor, and of course, The Havana Project, her pilot project that allows her to connect with people from around the world through dance. What then, do you ask, is at the delicate meaning point of these life paths? You guessed it, anxiety. A mixed cocktail of anxiety attacks, trichotillomania, and depression. Nothing stops her. This woman is one incredible powerhouse. She's both humble yet strong and carries that balance with grace. And it is my great pleasure to welcome her to the Anxious Millennial Podcast. Layla, welcome to the show. Oh my God, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> so excited to have you. Um, for everybody who doesn't know, Layla was referred to me by our wonderful mutual friend, Jennifer. Yes. So for that, we're both very grateful that Jennifer has brought us together. Yes, thank you, Jenny. <laughs> Absolutely. So Layla, I will jump right in and ask you, what is your word for 2020 and why? Uh, my word for 2020, uh, I would have to say is transformation. I mean, uh, there's many curse words that came to mind before that one, (laughs) I feel like, uh, that would be the right one when, because I think when you, when a situation applies pressure on you, you know, you apply pressure on uh, a stone and it becomes a diamond. So hopefully everything we're going through is just leading, um, us to become either better people, uh, to, uh, remind ourselves of the things that we take for granted sometimes. And, uh, Yes, I think we're all being forced into a different direction. And therefore, I think transformation should summarize 2020 the best. (laughs) I love that. There is no more transformative a year than 2020. (laughs) But it's all for the greater good, right? It's for us to evolve as human beings. That that is the hope. (laughs) (laughs) Fingers crossed on that one. Exactly. (laughs) So do tell me, Leila, about your well-being and how dance plays a role in your happiness. Like what made you start dancing in the first place? Uh, I've danced from as far as I can remember. Uh, There's pictures of me when I was two years old at weddings in Tunisia where I'm just, you know, going off on the dance floor. So I I, I don't actually remember a specific moment where I knew I would dance. I think I've always just seen it, felt it and wanted to do it. I was very self-taught as well from a very young age. Um, But uh, it plays an immense role in my happiness. Uh, The pursuit of it as a career also forced me to compartmentalize my love of dance in the sense that it's not just something that I love doing, but it's also, you know, it's my bread and butter as well. So, uh, my joy of dance is, uh, it's something that I just make sure that I do it every single day. So whether I'm dancing alone in the living room or I'm dancing on a stage, uh, I just make sure that it's part of my language every single day and, uh, that I utilize it and I don't take it for granted. 
and that on its own is, is, is pure joy to me. So <laughs> it's so funny. I was just thinking the other day how it's been a long time since I have danced because as we all know, we're under lockdown and you said it perfectly. We're all at home. So if you dance in your living room, I feel like it still has that well-being benefit. Dancing is so freeing. It's unbelievable. Even if you are by yourself, right? Of course. Yeah. I mean, I just try to, I see it as letting the yayas out sometimes. If you're just dancing silly in front of the mirror, you're singing into a hairbrush, that kind of thing, that on its own, it's such a release of positive energy. There's such a, a positive energetic flow that comes from movement. Uh, so I think it's really important for everyone to try to do it in some capacity. Um, but uh, for me, yeah, definitely just being able to carve out some time and say you need to get up and dance, even if it's just for yourself, it, it brings joy on its own. It's <laughs> Do you feel like it has also allowed you or permitted you to be really connected to music? Because I believe that music is probably sort of a catalyst to help you, you know, express yourself through movement. Is there, is there, do you think an interrelation between dance and the appreciation for music as well? A hundred percent. I mean, they're both, they're, they're both interwoven, if you will. Uh, I tend to see music. So that's how I, I learned to dance is I actually see the different notes and I can see and interpret them through movement of the body. Um, but definitely uh, there's a lot of songs when I hear them for the first time. I tend to resonate with songs when I hear them the first time the best and I get up to dance to those. I tend to interpret them the best I find and uh, definitely a huge appreciation for music and all kinds of music can make you dance. So even no music, I tend to dance to no sound at all. I'll dance to something Ooh. going on between my ears, but I, nothing, which may, which leads me to believe that my neighbors think I'm insane, but, <laughs> <laughs> but off, more often than not, I catch myself dancing to absolutely no music at all. So, <laughs> Oh, wow. Look at the end of the day, whatever makes you happy, it's, it's a form of exercise as well. So like you said, letting out the yayas. Um, mm -hmm. So speaking of which, how do you balance life, work, and stress, especially during these times, you know, besides, I know dance is something, it's your, it's your life. Um, but over and above that, do you believe that you have other rituals, um, that connect you to yourself that keep you spiritually grounded? What are those things? Well, I don't always balance all those things. And I think everyone kind of struggles with that. Uh, but finding balance within those things, uh, naturally, yes, dance is a part of it. But uh, I've discovered that uh, routines are really important to me, especially that some aspects of my life aren't as routine. So finding routines in my, in my own personal space has become very valuable. Uh, I've discovered this love of journaling that I actually discovered during the pandemic. So I started journaling thanks to the artist's way, which I recommend to everyone. Um, but I journal right in the morning, three pages every morning, even when I don't think I have something to say, sometimes it's just gibberish up until you get to uh, a thought comes out and then that thought can spill out, spill over into something else. Um, that has been incredibly helpful. It's been super insightful and, uh, it's been a good way to digest a lot of thoughts right at the beginning of the day. So you're not necessarily ruminating over them throughout the rest of the day. And then repeating that, uh, that uh, cycle every single day just allows for, I think, more healthy um, mind space. Otherwise, I hated running. 
I absolutely hated running. I only ran if someone ran after me wielding oh an axe or something. Preach. <laughs> so for me, uh, when the pandemic hit and I couldn't, you know, let's say go to the studio or go to the gym and all that, uh, I live next to a beautiful park. So I thought, okay, let me go run in the morning. And uh, that exercise of just forcing myself out the door, getting fresh air and running. When I run, I tend to choreograph a lot. So <laughs> what motivates each person to run is completely different, but I'm actually dancing in my head while I'm running. Um, that being said, just letting out that energy, being outside, breathing fresh air just kind of forces me into a much better headspace. And I feel like I've dedicated, whether it be half an hour, an hour of that time to myself. So that allows me to, you know, uh, digest, uh, whatever happens in the day a lot better and also manage stress a lot better just because I've released enough endorphins that I can, you know, tackle anything that comes at me. <laughs> yes, endorphins. So I have to tell you this, um, based on our first conversation. So you and I spoke obviously before the podcast. Um, and I need my listeners to know that Layla's capacity to inspire is really something because she was telling me about her routines and things that keep her grounded. And she told me about her early routines and how she's trying to instill a really early start to her day. So since our conversation, my dear, I have to let you know, because of you, you have pivoted my schedule. I have <laughs> Now made an effort every day to get up early. It's painful. You're right. She even said, she's like, it's painful at first. And it really is. But I feel like it sets such a different tone to my day. You're starting on such a like more Zen note. You, so you did that. Amazing. So, so you see, yeah. Thank you. Oh my God. I'm sad. That's so exciting. <laughs> you see, you never know who you can impact just by a simple conversation. So I just thought I'd let you know. So flipping the switch a little bit, what compelled you to go into media and freelance journalism? Well, a lot with, a lot of it has to do with my desire to connect with people. It's one of the reasons why I dance and um, dance for me is a language. And I think using my skill set to be able to reach people and to be able to tell their stories uh, for me sounds like just a, a natural, like the natural progression to, to, to my career path. And uh, dance in itself is a as well storytelling so for me to just be in front of the camera utilize my skills and to be able to tell their story for me was the most um you know, it just, it just felt like the right place for me to go in my career, uh, which also led me to, to produce and host uh, the Havana project. It is about connecting with others. So I do use, uh, all of those things to be able to tell people's stories. Oh, that's awesome. More on the Havana project in a second, but I just want to, I need to know this because I feel I'm also in PR. I touch communications. Do you feel as though Layla dance helps you with the physicality of being comfortable in front of a camera? It definitely does. It comes a little more instinctively. So, but it's a double-edged sword, I must say. So I'm naturally more comfortable in front of a camera probably than most people just because I've done it for so many years. And when you're jumping up and down and you're doing splits in front of people, like you get the whole like shy part out of the way pretty quickly. Uh, but then it's also a double-edged sword because when you dance, you tend to kind of dancing is a lot of modeling through movements. <laughs> so I remember some of my first hosting gigs, I would hold the microphone in a way and then I would be like moving my shoulder in some sort of like <laughs> sensual way and I remember the director being like it's a little too much could you like reel it in a little bit <laughs> notch it down 
like recovering a, a gala to like fundraise for a for cancer and I'm like winking into the camera. So. Oh my God, so. the shade. Yeah. But in a way that's kind of awesome. It comes so much more natural to, to you. I'd rather look at someone like that who's comfortable and who has a presence either in front of a camera or on a stage than someone who's stiff. And I mean, it's sad to say, but there's a nervousness to someone who's stiff, I feel, or maybe that's just their natural energy. I don't know, but I'd much rather, (laughs) I'd much rather be drawn in with someone who has like energy and can, you know, transmit that energy through even your body. Even body language is such a powerful thing, right? A hundred percent. So yeah, exactly. Like uh, when you dance, you learn a lot about posture and, and what that, uh, what kind of a message that sends, for example. But again, if um, I, I can tend to overdo it, but I've always said that it's much easier for someone to be extra and to reel it in a bit than to take to be really, um, you know, pulled into yourself and then to have to come out of that shell. Both are possible. It's just slightly easier when you've already, you know, gone to the extreme and you can just bring it in a little bit. So, (laughs) you know, it's so interesting to hear you say that because there, there is so much more a cerebral component to dance than I think a lot of people insinuate, you know, because the art itself requires you to, to think in such a deep way. So there is a really cerebral, you know, deep, profound notion to the art of dance, which I think a lot of people don't think or know that because, for the lay person who, for example, watches something like Dancing with the Stars, right? So it's super mainstream. But if you really look at the athleticism and everything that went into planning the choreography, the detail is insane. Absolutely. You're 100% right. Uh, I've noticed that over the years, there's a lot of misconceptions when I, uh, I say that I'm a dancer. For some reason, people assume, not the worst, but they jump to the idea that... Uh, uh, they, they have a misconception about it or they have a, there's a misconstruction around it. Um, I often get asked if I'm a stripper. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I, and I, that's quite all right. That's all fine in its own right. Right. But I, I mean, I'm like, no, I've studied this art for 15 years. Uh, it's not the same thing. Although props to all the strippers out there, <laughs> but it's not what I do. And uh, so, yes, you're right. It is way more cerebral than people realize because uh, dance really connects mind, body, and spirit. So not only uh, is it the athleticism, it's uh, the coordination. It's also the interpretation you're connecting with the uh, emotions. You're trying to convey that emotion to someone else. And there's a lot of logistics around it. Uh, it looks like nothing, but if you're in the middle of a choreography and you're, let's say, working with a partner, but then you know that there's a camera off to your right and you have to make eye contact with the camera at X moment and make sure you engage with someone in the audience and make sure you don't trip because the stage is like, I mean, there's there's just so much that goes into, let's say, a one-minute performance, a three-minute performance that uh, people don't really always understand the, the work and the, um, the, uh, sophistication it takes to, to do those things. Uh, but it's okay. I mean, we're, we're just happy to be vehicles of happiness for the most part. So, uh, and getting to perform is always just its gift on its own. Um, I don't expect people to understand how cerebral it is, but when they do it, I think there is this notion that you're like, Oh wait, this is much harder than it looks. I think people usually are unanimous on that, that when you try to do it, it's much harder than it looks so personally i think it's a nod to the talent you're giving the impression that 
it's easy. I feel like if you can make something look easy, even though it's extremely difficult, especially when we're talking about athleticism and coordination, kudos. Well, thank you. (laughs) Speaking of the Havana project, what can you tell us about it? So I had the privilege of producing and hosting the pilot of a series that I'm looking uh, to uh, execute the entire series uh, on syndication. Uh, And it revolves around communicating with people through movement and sharing their stories. And uh, I really utilize dance as more of a language than the topic of uh, the series. And uh, it's really about traveling the world and meeting people and sharing their stories through dance. So that's it. It's definitely the most important thing I've ever done and uh, that I, I, I hope to continue to do. And uh, I really think it, it would resonate with people, especially now where we're starved for human connection more than ever. So, um, yeah. That's pretty much it. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you for your contribution um, to the arts. And truly, especially in these times, I've had this conversation with so many people, but we lean on the arts right now, especially so much because we need the hope, we need the escape. And the work that you do is immensely important because, you know, it's easy to go to that dark place right now, especially. It's, it's, really easy and happiness right now is a choice for a lot of people so an escape the ability to go somewhere else in your head to be absorbed by beauty is a real gift so i really thank you for your contribution i really do oh that's very sweet thank you very much i know my field has been struggling uh, with being referred to as non-essential and uh, i think that's i mean it's a difficult label because nothing is ever really non-essential when you think about it uh, but definitely people have not been watching concrete dry for their, for their, their quarantines. They definitely watch, you know, Savage Fenty or Black is King with Beyonce. And so, um, I hope that whatever we do, we're just trying to make this better for the collective. Um, and it can be a, something as, you know, simple as a TikTok video. I've watched hundreds of TikTok videos that definitely made me laugh, made me smile, made me feel good. And uh, even making some, it, it's definitely an outlet. So uh, let's just hope as the collective, we come out of this appreciating the arts for more than just a non-essential label and something that has been um, a bit of a beacon of of uh, hope and salvation, maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Beautifully said. A beacon of hope for real. Like, trust me, much needed. Um, so do tell, do you, Layla, ever experience anxiety? A hundred percent, yes. <laughs> uh, definitely for many years. I didn't quite know what it was until uh, I educated myself a bit more on the topic. Um, I often felt like I was insane, which no one is really. And, uh, yes, it's been an, uh, it's been an uphill struggle, but uphill. So that's kind of what I, I tried to take away from it. I don't know why I'm maybe more predisposed to it than other people. And, uh, I've discovered that I'm definitely not alone. So I think bringing the awareness that, uh, that is being brought to this issue, like your wonderful podcast, is absolutely amazing and it's so necessary. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's manifested in different ways for me. And it's been a, a very uh, lonely struggle because uh, if you know, you're in a relationship, let's say, with someone who doesn't experience that, 
from the outside looking in, it can seem almost overly dramatic, but it's actually, you know, it's, it's a very, very real thing and it can really take over your mind. It can take over your body. So, um, I was very predisposed to, uh, at first anxiety and panic attacks. And it was the, uh, notion of when your thoughts get the best of you. So then your thoughts have already preceded your reasoning and you're kind of running after yourself in your mind. And I could literally see steam coming out of my ears and then your breathing accelerates. And then you kind of lose a physical control over yourself due to a mental, um, uh, incapacitation, if you will. Uh, so that was, uh, one of the first indicators when I, when I experienced those and I have a really bad habit. I think it's much more than a bad habit, but I do, uh, tend to pull on my eyebrows a bit and, uh, that's referred to as trichotillomania. So if I'm stressed and I'm not paying attention, I could literally sit in front of my computer and I could have pulled out half an eyebrow, not knowing they never, ever talk about this since would be the first time which I'm, I'm happy to do because a lot more people do it than I think we realize. And it's been a, definitely an exercise of sitting on my hands <laughs> and wow. calming down that has led to not doing it and also making important shifts in your life where you don't feel inclined to do that, you know, hmm. and uh, definitely depression is a, a large part of it. And uh, throughout the pandemic, we've learned that, you know, more people struggle with depression than you've ever even realized. And that is not a sign of weakness. Uh, it is not uh, something anyone should be shamed about. It is definitely something that is can be very dark, very scary, and uh, there are ways to pull yourself out of it, but I definitely believe that when you're surrounded by people who love and care for you truly, you can, you can overcome it. So. Wow. I um, really thank you for the transparency. It's, uh, it's not an easy topic to lean into. It takes an immense amount of strength and vulnerability to do what you're doing and to be candid about it. And trust me when I tell you, you are not alone. And in fact, that's part of the reason for this podcast, because you have no idea, Leila, how many guests on the show that I've spoken to, friends, family too, talented people just like you, brilliant, smart, who carry bags that are heavy, things like anxiety and depression, trichotillomania, panic disorder, bipolar disorder. These are real. And I think it's time that we talk about it. There's strength and courage and vulnerability. And I really do thank you for carrying it with dignity. And not only that, for overcoming it and being able to contribute in the ways that you have. Do you have any idea how awesome it is that you're able to hone in something as powerful as anxiety and be able to stand in front of a camera. I cannot tell you how many times I have bombed work presentations and have had panic attacks in the middle of delivering important messages in front of respected colleagues. I'd walk away so ashamed and that negative self-talk just spiraled me into just atrocious toxicity. But I'll say this much about anxiety. It's a double-edged sword. Why is that? Well, the thing is, we experience anxiety because we pick up on subtle cues in our environment. I strongly believe that's probably what makes us anxious. We are very captive to subtle cues. And 
That's awesome. You know why? Because you anticipate people's needs and you're able to be empathetic. And just before, Leila, you were mentioning how you manifest your anxiety. I was going to ask you that, but you went ahead and knew I was going to ask you that. So that's a gift to anticipate people, to anticipate human beings and their feelings and their emotions, to cue in on subtleties. I would say, yes, it's a double-edged sword, but let's carry it with dignity because there is power in vulnerability. So for that, I thank you again for being vulnerable. You're very kind. Thank you for, you know, creating a wonderful platform where people get to share their stories as well and hopefully help each other throughout. So it's, it's all about coping. You know, we have it. It's, it's, it's lifelong. It doesn't go away and that's a fact and it's okay. But I think it makes for a, a very strong human condition, right? I mean, how, how tough are you? Like, think about this as a, are you not a different person than you were like as a 20 year old, just putting that out there? Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. Sometimes I think of uh, what I like to be in my twenties again. I was like, Oh wait, as much as it was awesome, I was also like mentally a hot mess. <laughs> so, and uh, I love being in my thirties with a sense of purpose, a sense of, um, who I am and you know a lot of the things that used to bother me in my 20s don't even like make a dent anymore and I think that that's great and it's part of the learning process I I love the the strength that I that I feel now but that strength does come from having dealt with uh, a lot of these issues um, in my 20s so yep yep and uh, I was told once by a really wise person that it's that it's, it's okay to let the anxiety wash over you if you don't fight it, it's like a wave. If you fight a wave, it'll be so painful and you'll be under the water so much longer and the wave's just going to hit you like a ton of bricks. But if you just sort of let yourself go, be the water, let yourself tumble, you'll actually come up relatively unscathed. You probably won't hit rocks. You're just going to sort of go with the wave. You'll come up faster and recover quicker. So that's just word of the wise. I've heard that a few times. It's tough to let that kind of thing just wash over you and just accept it. Cause I don't know about you, but like when it comes over me, I just want to like reject, 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 push it away. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the worst. But I, I think it goes back to another point you made earlier as well, is that I always wondered if it wasn't in some weird way a gift, because a lot of what I do has to do with, you know, I have a, a very high sensitivity to other people's feelings. I can read a room really well. Uh, and I'm like, I absorb a lot of people's energies. And then I thought, am I experiencing the, this anxiety? Because I, again, absorb all of this and um, I'm very sensitive to it. But I think that's sensitive. Um, you know, it, it can be a bit of a curse and a blessing in a way. So the curse part is maybe, you know, dealing with a bit of anxiety, but the blessing is that, uh, I do have a, an immense, like a great deal of compassion for others. And, uh, I'm very sensitive to how other people feel. And even if sometimes, um, uh, that sensitivity can have a negative impact on me, I'm willing to deal with it and still be able to, you know, care. <laughs> so here's one for you. Have you heard of the term HSP? No, I've not. So that's highly sensitive person or people. It's a real thing. It's not a buzzword. It's a real trait. 
And by the way, 15 to 20% of the population is highly sensitive. Um, we can read a room really quickly. We feed off of the energy of the room. We know if someone's having a bad day, it's just energy. It's palpable. You also have depth of processing. So the likelihood is that after a day, you're tired more so than the average person because every thought is so much more in depth. You go through a lot of time to make a decision. You run through every conceivable outcome. So the brain is so much more tired because we're going through all these outcomes. Um, but on the flip side, like you said, the empathy level is really high. Um, we tend to be teachers, coaches. We tend to be leaders because we could tap into people a lot better than the average person. Sorry, but, and it sounds like you are an HSP. So just putting that out there, if you want to read up on it a little more, I am one. Um, and you, it's not introversion and extroversion. It's just, it's a trait about being captive to people. And there's an amazing documentary about being, um, highly sensitive people. Alanis Morissette is in it. She's amazing. She's a highly sensitive person and super talented. And a lot of people in the arts Mm -hmm. are highly sensitive people because their expression, they tap into people, the way they convey their expression. I'm just saying, so maybe something to Google, but it's a real thing. It's not like a hype buzzword. It's a real, real thing. That makes a lot of sense. Funny story and not as scientific at all, but my, my fortune teller, the first time I met her, the first thing she said, she's like, oh, you're very sensitive and you take on people's energy. You should take a lot of baths. You should bathe a lot. <laughs> and till this day, I, I do do my bath rituals. My self-care bath rituals are very rigorous and I do them um, uh, regularly to make sure that I do cleanse some of the energy that I've taken on during the week. So <laughs> I just thought that that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely a very heavy burden to carry. So you keep on that self-care girl. And somewhat selfishly, because we all love the topic of self-care, do tell, what other rituals do you have? Uh, we know you exercise and the baths are awesome. What else do you do for self-care? And also, how do you resource through connection and people around you, people that you love? Um, I like to, uh, through other people, I try to spend quality time doing quality things with people. I find that it gives the most energy to the parties involved and it creates the better memories. I mean, we could spend a lot of time sitting around talking about, you know, life and everything that's going wrong or everything that's going right too. But I quite enjoy, I, I gain a lot of energy from, you know, doing things with people. So if it's going for a hike and being in nature, uh, you know, um, could build something. It doesn't really matter, but uh, I enjoy the quality time. I feed off a lot of people's energy. I, lo I love the sense of community. So that to me is really important. For myself, uh, I have a couple of things that I do do. I try to meditate. I meditate when it feels right, not so much on a calendar and not in a schedule, but uh, I do it when I think I just need to dedicate a few minutes to myself. Uh, definitely bathing is one of them. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, I do this one thing, and um, I don't know, it, it, some might find it weird, but I've found a great deal of it. Um, I find it super insightful. And again, it's part of my little dedication every morning, but um, uh, I have a deck of tarot cards and I pull a card every day and then I read about it and then I see how it relates to my current situation or what I'm thinking about or my life. And it's, it's, it sounds silly, 
but it's actually really insightful because you're really teaching yourself about yourself while you do it. And then you can do it in 15 minutes, but uh, I find it helps with the thought process and it can inspire hope sometimes because if you're thinking about something, then you pull a card that's, you know, in favor of that, that thought, then, you know, it gives you a little kick in the butt that day to, you know, push a little further. So uh, I know it's a little atypical thing to do. It's on the more esoteric side, but I quite enjoy it. And uh, it's actually brought, I find it super informative for myself. So, <laughs> Oh, brilliant. I love that. Look, anything that provides insight, frankly, um, do you, for example, do you believe in a vision board? I definitely believe in a vision board. Believe yeah. in vision boards, vision uh, bowls. You can even do prayer bowls. Uh, it's really, yeah, I think they're amazing. If you can map out what you want, you're like 10 steps closer to being there than for it to just be a thought in the back of your mind that's buried under all the reasons why you think you can't attain that or can't achieve it. Um, love that. Love that. Anything that you can manifest, I believe in manifestation and energy you put out and it comes back like a boomerang. So I'm, I'm like on the spiritual level, I totally get that. Speaking of spirituality and getting a little on the sexy side, <laughs> I know you have a venture called Sexy Staget. Now, initially I called it Staget, but you've corrected it's me. Staget. <laughs> Staget yeah, for a stag party. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So I have always been fascinated by this. Uh, I'm getting married, so I need to know all the things. What does it involve? What do you do? I've been teaching them for a long time, so I decided to brand it, uh, call it Sexy Staget. It's, uh, staget is a commonly used word in the UK, more so than here, to define a bachelorette party. So I would teach these uh, sexy dance classes for bachelorettes. As they come into the studio, I have a choreography made, tailor-made for the bride. And by the end of it, everyone's dancing and it's really a great party. But I think the great part of it is that it's a great way to celebrate during like the bachelorette festivities. It's a really great venture. It's super popular. So where could uh, some ladies and gents, perhaps, where can they find the sexy staget? So we offer it at different studios around Montreal. Um, I have a website for it. Uh, At the moment, obviously, it's on a bit of a hiatus because of the pandemic, since we can't be in studios. But as soon as that becomes available again, uh, you guys can contact me at uh, sexystaget.com. And um, I'd be happy to book a sesh for you. (laughs) Very very exciting. I'm just saying like virtual classes can also be a thing. That's you know, true. Yeah. Planting the seed, planting the seed. <laughs> um, so actually switching gears, tell me about mentors. Who are uh, two of your idols in business or in life that inspire you? Um, I have two and uh, it's funny because they're very different. So uh, someone I've always admired was obviously because I dance and everything, but I very much admire JLo. <laughs> ah, JLo. Uh, yes, she is timeless and she is uh, ageless. Uh, she ages like Benjamin Button, but that's not why I admire her. It's more so because, uh, you know, she's a career-driven woman. She's extremely versatile and uh, she's really built a brand around herself. Yeah, she always puts dance at the forefront of everything she does, whether it be on her tours or with World of Dance. So I've always admired that part of her and uh yeah she's like uh she's a female leader and uh she's broken a lot of uh barriers throughout her career and i think she's just like 
phenomenal. Um, another, uh, uh, someone I really admire is someone uh, that is very near and dear to my heart. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, his name's Christian. And uh, what I admire the most about him is his desire to do good for the collective. So, um, and he does it throughout his profession and he also does it as a friend. He really looks out for the people in his immediate circle because he always says like, uh, you know, when one grows, we all grow. So one gains, we all gain. And uh, he's been uh, very much in many ways a a mentor to me. And I hope to get to a point in my life where I can have that same capacity as well to mentor, uh, just to be a positive influence. Well, I'll tell you this much. Um, You're immensely insightful and inspirational. So I do feel like the mentorship is well on its way. So finally, where can our listeners find you on social? Um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook. So my handle is Layla Aziza, L-E-I-L-A-A-Z-I-Z-A. Super fun. Aziza is actually a palindrome, if ever you were wondering. <laughs> palindrome is when you can read it both ways. And uh, I'm also on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on TikTok as well, always under that same handle. And uh, I look forward to connecting with everyone for sure. Layla. Thank you so much for being on the show today. You are amazing and keep conquering. You are, trust me, it was honestly refreshing to hear such authenticity coming from a beautiful, eloquent, amazing communicator like you. Because as we all know, anxiety comes in different forms. And even someone as well composed and as eloquent as you has those struggles. And that's okay. So I thank you truly for your authenticity today. Thank you so much. And it's been such a joy to talk to you. And I feel the same way. Once again, a very special thank you to Leila Aziza for sharing her journey and for being open and candid. I hope that inspired you as much as it inspired me. So as usual, wishing you an amazing week ahead. And of course, go conquer. Bye.